Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. Your favorite church unity podcast. Probably. If you want to hear from pastors, professors, and everything in between. Right, sure. And, you know, the occasional train talk. Right, right, yeah. Uh, have we got the podcast for you? Thanks again, everybody, for joining us. Uh, I am your co-host, Joshua Knoll. This is the Whole Church Podcast, as you heard in the little intro theme. And uh, here's your other co-host, Tiberius Long. All right. Who is, j- just so everybody knows, he is the Yeehaw champion. And also, his specialty, his expertise, is actually in destructive criticism. So uh, oh. if anybody wants to just be put down, please give him a call. Uh, we do as much as we can on the podcast, but he can only be so critical of you without talking to you. So, right. Yeah, please contact him. Email us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Uh, again, we are back with a very special guest, uh, one, one of my... One of my favorite people, but also one of my favorite guests that we've had on the show is uh, Sister Rose from, well, I want to say from UNCW, I guess from Wilmington, right next to UNCW. She does her, the Catholic ministries at that campus for the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. Uh, last time we talked to her, she talked a lot about the food pantry and stuff like that. Um, I don't remember exactly what episode that is, but uh, we'll link it in the show notes so y'all can go back and hear her some more if this isn't enough, which I'm sure it won't be. Um, I always love getting to hear from you, Sister Rose. And uh, <laughs> before we jump into things, I do want to add on there, because now we don't get to just say she's a nun with the Catholic Church or she runs that ministry or any of that. She also won a special award we wanted to mention, which was, uh, so I don't slaughter it, could you help me? It was the Friend of... The Division of Student Affairs. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm bad with titles. We were just talking about it beforehand. I was like, you know, our listeners should also know. It's... A, it's an incredible honor. Um, what she was telling us was basically she's just been recognized for the help she does at the school and for helping in the affairs of, you know, students that don't necessarily always have everything they need. And Sister Rose is always there for everybody in whatever way she can be. And it's just exciting that uh, she got some recognition for that. I think that's awesome. Um, yes, actually, the, the in the write-up, there were two quotable quotes. One was, that she's a, com- a, a consummate student affairs professional disguised as a nun. <laughs> I think that's a the perfect intro intro for our uh, for special guest today. Yeah. Yes, perfect. and they also commented uh, commented on my resourcefulness in helping students connect with resources at, throughout the community. Oh yeah, and then uh, my one of my favorite things actually was they uh, they quoted your. Uh, uh, was it? This is a place for characters. Characters, I mean, what? Characters, welcome. Yeah, they they quoted the characters of Welcome Big, and I was like, "Hey, I'm one of those characters, <laughs> or was one." Yeah. Door like is always open. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those uh, once an associate of CCM, <laughs> always an associate. <laughs> great ministry. I I had a lot of fun there, and uh, it's just great to know Sister Rose. Uh, TJ, before I keep rambling. You wanted to tell our listeners some about our needs, right? Right. So if you're listening to this, congratulations. You're listening to the best Whole Church Unity podcast out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, if you're listening, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, and then DM us on Twitter so you can run it. We'll We're not like good at it. <laughs> it's if, if, you know, everyone has a special talent and everybody has a talent that they're absolutely awful at, that's the one I'm the worst at. It's running mm-hmm. a Twitter account. Right. So please remember to share these episodes. Uh, it helps boost our engagement a ton. It's better than any advertising we could ever do. Uh, just, you know, just put them on your story, put them on your feed, DM them to people, get obnoxious with it. Yeah. Uh, make a poster board, stand outside your house for at least an hour a day. Helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's done it, it's increased our viewers by at least two. And if you're listening on a platform that permits it, please leave us a comment. Uh, sometimes we, we like to read those on the podcast, even though we haven't done recently, because uh, you guys aren't saying anything. And I forget to look, honestly. It, it, it's largely okay. because of that, too. You guys might be saying something. Josh just doesn't check. I do sometimes. It's just been a, I've been busy. I got married this year. <laughs> That's not. And please consider supporting us on Patreon uh, for as little as a dollar a month. You can get a, a fair amount of extra content uh, that we allude to during the show, 
but you can only listen to if you give us a small amount of money. Yeah. Well, or a large amount of money. I've been told by one of my aunts, one of the best parts about uh, following the Patreon is actually you get the... I post the outlines of our podcast on there of like what me and TJ use for our notes for the show so that we know what we're supposed to do. They love it because it's like, oh, this is what the show is supposed to look like. It's, it's fun knowing that it was originally organized and then we just didn't follow it. They enjoy that a lot. Yeah. Well, you can't think outside of the box if you don't build a box first. Yeah, basically, I just <laughs> draw a box so that we can ignore it completely. I mean, not completely, but you know, we do it. Ignore it enough. Yeah. Uh, we're also looking for someone to make us a new theme song. If you're interested, give it a shot. Send it to us. We'll listen to it. Uh, give it a little destructive criticism. And if anyone's willing to just kind of want to be a part of behind the scenes and help us do this, we we need someone to run that Twitter. We need someone to help with the media as far as creating pictures, doing that theme song. And we need someone to help with the editing of the audio. Um, I've been doing the best I can, but if someone's really good at it and wants to be part of the team, we welcome all characters, just like Sister Rose. So <laughs> feel free to DM us on any of our social media or email us at the whole church at gmail.com. Uh, was there anything else, TJ, or can I ask a silly question? Uh, I think that'll be all for me. I feel like it's like uh, when we were little and we watched Veggie Tales, and you know, I was like, and now it's time for a silly song with Larry. Except for, and now it's time for a silly question. Either with me or TJ. Today is me. Today I have the silly question. <laughs> I, um, I've gone through several iterations of this question. It's original. It's one of those, um, classic icebreaker question people do of, what would you do if you had a clone? Except for, I tweeted a few times, at, at one point I had it, what prank would you pull on yourself if you had a clone? But I settled on, if you had a clone, what do you think you would enjoy doing the most, like, as a pastime with yourself? And okay. I'll answer first. I'll go first. Okay. It's ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> Any Easy. listener out there just knew that TJ was going to say that. If you followed the podcast at all, you thought ping pong or hockey. Um, you know, for, for the record, for the record, this isn't one of those times where we both know the question and we talk about it beforehand. No, no, I just we've been doing where only one of us know the question when we go in because I just think it's more interesting. But uh, this time it really wasn't. Um. I, see, I would gonna say Killer Bunnies to elude the last week's episode, or, you know, last episode, which was two weeks ago. But uh, I thought about it, and I was like, you know, we kind of do that already. And also, Killer Bunnies is one of those things, it's, it's a fun card game, but it's more fun with other people. Um, I thought about saying Smash Bros., so I could really tune my skills, but I was like, eh. I've settled on going on a hike with myself. Because a lot of times, if you go out on a hike, which is one of my favorite things to do, Whoever you're with either doesn't want to hike as much as you do, or they want to hike a lot more than you do. You know, very seldomly do you go with someone who wants to do the exact same amount of hiking that you want to do. But if I had a clone, he would want to do the exact same amount that I wanted to do. So it would work out great. You know, I bet you're wrong. <laughs> go on. <laughs> There's no way you would agree with yourself on how much to hike. I mean, neither of us would want to stop, right? Like, I mean, that's just a thing. All right, but eventually one of you would want to stop. And the other, and the other one would think. Would have a fight. Yeah. yeah, I can't let him think I'm weak. I have to keep going. Yeah, uh, the problem is I'm too stubborn of a person for this question. I still think hiking is the best answer, but pretty much anything I do with a clone of myself, we're going to argue. So I still think this might be the best answer I can have came up with. Whereas TJ is relaxed enough that he could play ping pong with himself probably for days and it never caused an issue. Yes. So, Sister Rose, same silly question. If you had a clone, mm -hmm. what do you think would be your favorite pastime to do with yourself? Oh, well, that is really easy. Good. We would travel. Travel? Where would you travel? Uh, oh, anywhere. You know, um... You know I have a conspicuous appearance that occasionally turns heads. And so if there were two of us, it would be much easier to enjoy watching people stumble turning their heads. Uh -huh. 
and it would be um, enjoyable to have a companion who liked the same things I liked and saw the same humor um, in the adventure. I can do that. Is there any place to see? I know now I'm doing a follow up question to the silly question, which is probably bad, but I don't I don't care. Um, is there any place that you've always wanted to go that you haven't been yet? Hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I would be, I'm still, I'd, I'd love to go to Southeast Asia. That's an interest to me. I have, I have been pretty much throughout Europe and in Africa and most of the United States, but I think that would be something I'd be interested in. Interesting. Yeah, I've always wanted to go do some hikes in Ireland and stuff, but. Okay, so we don't. So that we that don't get you would enjoy floor. that. I've done that. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it, it's gotten to where it was like one of the pastimes I like to absolutely my favorite thing to see. But um, yeah. So one one thing I wanted to mention before we get into things actually was uh the Sunday was actually the day of Pentecost just passed, and I just wanted to mention it because you know it's it's cool being able to record a church unity podcast so close to such an important day, right? That was the day that all these disciples and all these different believers in Christ got together, and when they were united, the Spirit came down, and they spoke in different tongues, which, it's a particularly important passage to uh, the congregations that me and TJ are from, because, you know, as our listeners probably know, we <laughs> came from a Pentecostal background, so it's like, oh yeah, that's our passage, that's like the passage. Yeah, so it's really cool that this close to the day of Pentecost, and um, it's also really just neat to note you know, as we've done these podcasts, and as I've grown as a person, I follow more people from other denominations, right? And one of the cool things, I remember the thing that actually reminded me that it was the day of Pentecost was Sister Rose shared something about the day of Pentecost. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's not just us, right? <laughs> like, all Christians know that this is a thing. And uh, Birthday of the church. Oh, yeah. Awesome day. Awesome day. Happy, happy birthday, church, to everyone listening. The, the whole church that is <laughs> but uh, yeah that was really cool and uh just thinking about that and even before we started this podcast just for a fun shout out it wasn't either of the pentecostal followers that said we'll see where the spirit led sister rose said when you know, i was asking her about the outline she's like oh, we'll see where the spirit leads i'm like wow that's yeah. right we don't have a monopoly on the holy spirit right like it's a thing not yet <laughs> so I'm really excited about doing this with you so close to the day of Pentecost and just having this unity here. And it's just uh, it's good stuff. That being said, TJ's now going to interrogate you. Oh. <laughs> I thought we were going to have a conversation. Yeah, no, no. I, I was joking. Well, you know, the root, you know the root of the word conversation, you know, conversatio, which leads to communion. So. Oh, my God. All right. So we'll end this episode with a communion. Yeah, hopefully everyone <laughs> has bread and wine at home. <laughs> uh, so, Sister Rose. Yeah. Uh, how how does the Catholic Church view Genesis 3 and original sin? <laughs> I no think pressure. Just, like, I, no, no yeah. <laughs> I think in order to really answer that question, you we have to go back to Genesis 1 and 2. Um, and what do I mean by that? Um, in term, and also to talk a little bit about how Catholics approach the Bible in general. You know, we talk about the Bible, but actually it's many, many books in the Bible. You know, you know, we look at Hebrew scripture and we have the Pentateuch and we have the historical books and we have the wisdom writings and we have the prophets. Okay. Um, they're all different genres, you know, they have a different purpose. Um, and so understanding that is very helpful in understanding what is, what is being revealed to us in the text. And so when we look at the Genesis accounts, you know, their cosmogonies, their, their accounts trying to explain, you know, how and why we were created. And so I think it's important to look at that. Because what we learn from that is, well, think about it. When were those books written? They were written during the Babylonian exile, right? So mm -hmm. here these people have been taken, you know, the chosen people have been taken off to a foreign land, 
And they start listening to the stories of the Babylonian creation myths. It's like, wow, that is not the God we know, right? You know, there are these warring gods. There's this, you know, you know, it, it gets very graphic. So I'll right. fix that, right? And they're yeah. like, but, but that isn't the God we know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you look and we have these two Genesis accounts. You know, and it's interesting if you compare them, because the first account, right, you know, God begins by creating the, you know, the, the land, right? And then he has, we have the light, and then, you know, we have the animals and so forth. And each day of creation, it's good, right? And it's just leading up, like the first account, it's like, you know, it's the, we call, we call it the priestly account, right? Because it's like a liturgy or ritual. It's like it's like a wedding, you know. First we have the light and darkness, then we have the stars, and then we have the water and the creepy crawly things, right? And all of it's good. And then God creates man and woman in God's image. And it's very good. Okay, so what does that say? It says that God creates out of nothing and creates love out of love. You know, um, that God is sort of an artist, a, you know, fanciful artist creating all the time. And then you look at Genesis 2, and it's kind of interesting because God starts by playing in the dirt, right? Yeah. And, he cre- and he creates Adam, you know, man, right? And then he creates woman. And then he creates, he's, you know, um, he creates the, the, you know, all the other aspects, the creatures of the world, and they're good. You know, and that's really important because that tells us a lot about the nature of God. And God is in relationship. God is in friendship with Adam and Eve. Okay? So that's the context when we look. Go ahead. Quick question. Yeah. Um, you said priestly account. You're talking about the first chapter one of Genesis. It, yeah. it just has me curious. Does the Catholic Church uh, then prescribe to the documentary hypothesis concerning Genesis or where it's like different authors? Or do they still think it's all written by Moses or the same person? Um, I think that uh, I, I think that it's a multiple authors in this, but I think they're 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 the two accounts are revealing different aspects of of who God has been to God's people. Interesting. Yeah, I asked because uh, just at our own context in there, because I don't know yeah, sure. how much you follow what, we, what we've been doing, but uh, with our podcast, we've been sort of going through the book of Genesis, right? And we've been going, mm-hmm. what are the main things that people argue about in the church? And can we have unity despite some of these things, right? Mm-hmm. So we just talked about Genesis 1 and 2, and we talked a lot about, you know, the different views, people are really passionate. A lot of people are still, especially in Protestant churches, um, more traditional Protestant churches, are still really passionate in the belief that Moses by himself wrote all of the Torah. Mm-hmm. So it's just really interesting to me because, because to me, and I guess maybe this is just some uh, weird preconceived misconcepts I have or something, but uh, I had just assumed that since the more traditional Pentecostal churches believe that way. I had been under the assumption that the Catholic Church probably also believed that way. But you're saying you're okay with the idea that maybe it was multiple authors and maybe it was even written during the Babylonian exile. Oh, yeah. It's a Absolutely. dangerous game. Interesting. Very dangerous interesting. game, assuming that Protestants and Catholics agree on something. Well, just hey, because listen. it was more traditional, I assumed that it came from the original tradition, right? Well, have you guys noticed that, you know, when you look at Genesis 1, it says that he created humankind in God's image. He didn't say he created Protestants or he created Catholics in God's image. Go ahead, I'll preach. <laughs> he created all humankind. He created all creatures, and they are good. Yeah. And what and, and, and what the point, I think, that both accounts are getting at is that in you know God's will is that we be in relationship, close relationship, 
in a loving relationship with God and with each other. Amen. Right. And so how how does the Catholic Church view the original sin in doctrine? In in doctrine, you're like, what how do we define it? Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> Basically we made it through Genesis one and two. What about that Genesis three? <laughs> Right. Um, I would say that the way we understand it is that the story of Adam and Eve, okay, tells us that they were free to choose between acceptance and rejection of God's love and God's friendship. And they rejected God's friendship, that they abused their freedom um, by disobeying and not trusting in God's goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, TJ's probably gonna eventually get on me for asking too many questions, but uh, because we've had Pete Enzon before, I feel like I have to ask at least on his behalf. Um, he doesn't believe in a literal Adam. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's written a couple books on the Book of Genesis. Does the Catholic Church believe in a literal Adam? Then I would say that these are stories. These are origin stories. Uh, was has is all humanity um descendants of adam and eve biologically uh no are we are we all descendants of god's creation and humankind uh you know abusing our freedom and yeah we are interesting all right uh, so the Catholic Church, you know, speaking of sin, uh, uses two terms that uh, I didn't really hear a lot growing up in a Pentecostal church. Or like at all. <laughs> or like, you know, ever. Uh, but uh, the Catholics separate sins as mortal and venial. Mm-hmm. Saying that right. Is it venial? Venial. Venial. Uh, so what can you tell us about the differences between mortal and venial sins? Okay, so if you look at, again, the etymology of the words, venial is weakening and mortal is killing. Um, actions or inactions, thoughts, attitudes that weaken our relationship with God are venial sins. And actions and inactions, attitudes, thoughts, that mortally, you know, can sever our relationship with God are mortal sins. So here's a way of thinking about it. You could say venial sins are like stumbling blocks, you know, in our following Jesus Christ. All right. And there's not always kind of full consent. And, um, you know, there can be ignorance involved in that. All right. You know, and we do that. You know, we... You know, we may be gossiping, we may be less than honest, we may be holding something that doesn't belong to us, all right? We may have some inordinate attachments to material things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we can hurt people, you know, in the course of our day. Those are, they can be venial sins. A mortal sin is, is a sin that can destroy our relationships. Okay, with God. All right. Now, in order to commit a mortal sin, first of all, it has to be grave matter. Secondly, there has to be sufficient reflection. You have to know that you're going, you know, that this is this is a serious sin. And then thirdly, you have to have full consent of the will. Okay, so you have to a it has know it's a bad, you know, a grave. It's grave matter. You have to reflect on it and know that this is something that will uh, sever my relationship or distance me, distance me from God significantly. And then you have to be free enough to fully consent to do it in order for it to be a mortal sin. Right. But just in general, when we talk about sin, I mean, sin is a failure to love. You know, it's it's anything that we do or don't do or think or attitudes we hold, you know, that that separate us in any way from our relationship with God. It's it's when we put ourselves over God. Right. You know? 
that's, I mean, that's, but the distinction we make in mortal and venial is, you know, did we really know what we were doing? Did we really know it was serious? And did we choose to do it anyway? Right. So like the difference between first degree murder and manslaughter. (laughs) (laughs) Something, something like that. Mortal sin is basically, you know, you see a big red button. The button says, if you press this, you will die. And you press the button anyway. And you go ahead and do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it kills you. Venial sin yeah. is, when the button didn't say anything, it, it was just big and red, so I pressed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like we also talk about, you know, there are patterns of sin in our lives. You know, so like when I work with students, I talk to them, you know, do you, it's not just an in, a, an individual discrete act, but, you know, we can develop habits of sin. You know, and and for us in, within the Catholic tradition, you know, the sacraments are very central for us. You know, our celebration of Eucharist is, this, you know, we say the source and summit of our faith, right? But the beginning of the Eucharist is a penitential rite. And so those are the times where we're called to say, you know, okay, to stop and reflect, when have I acted or or maybe sinned by omission, not necessarily commission, you know, that has weakened my relationship with God. And we're invited to reflect on that. And, you know, there's a healing prayer that takes place at the beginning of every Eucharist. Now, for something like a mortal sin, what you, within our tradition, we have, again, the sacrament of confession. And there, the dynamics of that sacrament are really important. There's five pieces to it. First of all, you have to recognize that you are a sinner and that you have sinned and you name that sinned, sin. And then you have to be contrite. You have to say, I am sorry for that sin. Heart, heartfully sorry for that sin. And then one is required to ask for forgiveness, not implicitly, but explicitly. Mm-hmm. And then in return, for, you know, in, in response to that, the, the minister of the church forgives sin and gives absolution. You know, so, I mean, those are the five parts of, of a good confession. And, yeah. you know, it, it touches in the heart of the, you know, to, at the heart of the human condition. You know, you, you have to recognize that you are not perfect, that you can sin and that you have sinned and what you've done and that you feel sorrow for it. Yeah. You know, and so I mean, it, in our, in our tradition, we believe then that that sacrament becomes efficacious, that we are forgiven. Yeah. All right. Sorry, so because I had some wrong assumptions, I think it's just taking me a little bit longer to process everything, right? Because I was assuming the Catholic Church had a more, you know, what I've always been taught was a traditional view was Moses wrote it. So I'm, I had this wrong assumption, so now I'm still processing everything up to now. So right now, what we've got so far is you do believe it was written during the Babylonian exile um, by multiple authors. Um, Genesis 1 and 2 was about the origin of mankind. In that, uh, basically you're saying sin is anything that goes against love. The difference between mortal and venial or venial is, venial. Uh, venial. 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 Okay. Venial is a stumbling block. Mortal is like the end of the road, right? Like a dead end. Yeah. Destroys love. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it's like, so, it's like walking under a tree and having a leaf fall on you. Uh, and then walking under a different tree and having the tree fall on you. Okay. Which yeah, yeah. the result the result of it is is the the destruction of love in the human heart. Yeah. Which I gotta say, we we hear a lot of the same things in Protestant churches, maybe without the same terminology. And I I guess maybe it's always been the language, you know, that language barrier that's kind of uh, separated a little bit, made me kind of weird towards things that I didn't understand because. You know, mortal and video, we never said that, but I've been to a lot of pastor several times. There's a difference between, you know, 
sinning and, you know, stumbling and sinning and falling completely away from God, which mm-hmm. is the same concept, just without the terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that's really interesting to me. The um, one thing you said that I wanted to ask about, because I've always kind of is, um, you said the, the minister, the pastor, the priest forgives the sins. Is that sort of like a um, symbolic thing, or is it the pastor forgives it? Like literally, is it God forgiving through him or what is it? Exactly. How does that work? We talk, we, yeah, no, we talk about the, the, the priest is, is the representative of the community. Okay. So when we sin, it's not just against one person. I mean, we may commit a sin against a person. Okay. For example, but the impact of that sin affects the community. And so as the minister of the community, the priest absolves you of your sins in the name of God, you know, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May Almighty God have mercy on you, forgive you your sins, okay? In the name, you know, he's, he's, he represents both the community and he's, you know, he's, it's in the name of God, of course. Yeah, so to kind of borrow a biblical term, sort of like being an ambassador of Christ, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just just to make sure I'm understanding correctly, let's just, for the sake of things, say that uh, I sin specifically against TJ. Mm-hmm. So if we were all part of the same you know, Catholic church, mm-hmm. what you're saying, if I'm understanding right, I have to get forgiveness from TJ. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness from the priest as, you know, the ambassador of Christ in the community, but also from God. Yeah. Right? And so what we believe is that when we go, when we enter into the sacrament, yeah. you know, what we're, you know, if you want to use formula, okay, which we would say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been such so long since my last confession. This is what I have done. I'm sorry for this sin and all the sins of my past life, and I seek forgiveness. Okay, so. And then the priest does the blessing. Now, you ask an interesting question. If I sinned against TJ. Yeah, we're all sinning against TJ today. Yeah, well, he's the the one with the fan. Um, Okay, so, so. You know, Scripture tells us that we shouldn't go to the altar if we've wronged our brother, right, until we make it right. But sometimes we can't, right? Now, what happens within our tradition, we're usually given a penance, okay? We're asked, the priest asks us to do something as part of this, uh, of the forgiveness and reconciliation that's taking place. Now, some priests will say, you know, you need to go back and talk to so-and-so. Other priests will give you prayers to say or give you something that, you know, tell you to, you know, to yeah. do something. Usually it's prayers. But, um, you know, again, you know my line of work. When, when there is a severing of relationships as a healing minister, I always encourage people whenever possible to try to be reconciled with those they have hurt. Yeah. It's a, there's a the Bible verse and I, that says, don't let the sun go down, right? Right, exactly. And, you know, again, with, with, with the students I work with, if there is, a, you know, if there's a relationship that has been strained, it affects everyone around us. And so I, I really try to encourage students. Yeah, I try to be a healing presence, you know, and encourage reconciliation between you know um friends or acquaintances yeah of course um now i'm with you so far now it makes sense to where we are now i'm all caught up um but i know there's at least a few listeners especially you know since we've largely a protestant following Mm -hmm. who are probably because i've heard them say this and uh, I, I almost hate to ask it, but I, I know someone is thinking it, so I'm going to ask it, where they will say the thing of, um, okay, but that's not in the Bible that you have to go to someone else for forgiveness. Where did they get that? Uh, could you address people with that 
specific kind of concern? I think if we, you know, we look at the apostolic community and the role, you know, the role of the church leaders, okay? You know, the, the, the sacramental life of the church developed over time. I mean, you know, um, what I think it's part of the tradition, the big T tradition, you know, um, you know, we can go back to the scriptural basis, you know, the sins that you forgive are forgiven. The sins that, you know, that are not, that you don't forgive are not forgiven. I'm doing a very bad, uh, paraphrase of the scripture. (laughs) I mean, that is the scriptural basis for it. And then the, the sacrament itself has, you know, evolved over time, you know, but I think we go right back to the scripture where, where, you know, Jesus's command to go and to forgive sins is, you know, is, is the, is the root core of the, of the sacrament of reconciliation. Yeah. So the other question I know some of our listeners have, and I'm kind of curious about myself, was actually planned. This one's actually in the outline. Everyone applaud. I'm sort of following the outline. (laughs) (laughs) So way back when the Protestant church first split, John Calvin came out with his, I don't know if they were doctrines at the time. I think they were more like ideas at that time of, uh, total depravity and total inability, that man is completely incapable and completely just entirely simple and Mm -hmm. capable of salvation altogether, right? And in response to some of those doctrines, which we've talked about on the podcast before, so if y'all go back and listen to some of, uh, I think, Time Talk is when we talked about that. The podcast. Yeah, the podcast. The, um, (laughs) but specifically addressing some of those ideas that man's completely enabled the Catholic Church held what was the Council of Trent. Mm-hmm. And part of that was they completely denounced, and I, I believe, well, I believe they denounced Calvin's doctrines of total depravity and total inability, but they claimed it was heresy to say anything that man had no part in salvation. Am I understanding that correctly? You know, I haven't read the Trent documents in a while. I I am much more, um, the, 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 there was Two other ecumenical councils after that, Vatican I and Vatican II. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I think the whole the whole Jesus event, the incarnation, yeah. was, you know, to reconcile us with God. And I think that Jesus as divine reveals a lot to us about who God is. And what, how we can mend that relationship that was severed by that original sin. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's not just faith, but it's our works. You know, if you're going to follow, if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you know, we follow him in all of his teachings and in serving and loving one another, you know? And so I think we receive the graces, you know, that are, that are needed to be a servant of, you know, of one another. And so we can work out our salvation, not only by through faith, but through our works. Yeah. And I know mm-hmm. because the sense of salvation, you know, is mending the relationship, isn't it? Yeah. yeah that would hopefully you know, that would be the goal, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and the relationship that has been severed is our relationship with God and, and our alienation with each other. And so to mend that relationship, you know, we can pray for it, but we have to work at it, don't we? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that depends on who you ask. <laughs> I, I think we yes. do. I would say I yes. think we do. I'm asking you a rhetorical question. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I, yes. I, 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 we, we do believe you have to do that, yes. Yeah, I, um, now, within Protestant tradition, I'm not entirely sure where the Catholic Church is, which is why you're here. We have, you know, there's, the big argument is between Calvinists and Arminianism. Arminianism? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It works. But part of their argument does come down to that total depravity, right? where John Calvin says we're completely evil, we're completely incapable, and Arminian goes, actually, we have free will. We can, uh, we actually choose to be evil. 
Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where the divide is within the Protestant church. And I think where it originally spit also was from the Catholic church had a lot to deal with that, with um, Protestants' idea that man has no part in salvation. And from my understanding, the Catholic church is man works with God for salvation. Is that Absol- right Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have free will. You know, we chose, I mean, if we go back to the story, you know, Adam and Eve chose, they made a choice. You know, yeah. they abused their freedom. You know, and so we do have the freedom to act for the good or to act to dis- in, the, in, in a, such a manner to sin that further alienates us. Yeah. But we have the choice to act in ways that bring us together, too. And I, I think where I think some of the tension comes in from the Protestant side, which it might be just misunderstanding or it might be actual disagreement, which, you know, that happens. That's fine. Is I don't remember the exact term, but it's uh, that the term means grace alone. Only by God's grace can we be saved and we have no part in salvation. That's what a lot of Protestants, believe. not all of them, but a lot of Protestants believe that idea. And I think that's the idea that's sort of in conflict with this idea that means working with God. From my mm-hmm. understanding, because, you know, we're talking to you, I want to focus on your perspective. A lot of the Catholic Church ideas come from, I don't remember where the verse is, but the Bible says that to to work out your own salvation, right? Like that's in the Bible, it says work out your own salvation. That's sort of where the Catholic Church is coming from with that? Yeah, and I mean, I, you know, and then we have the letter from James that talks a lot about service, you know, that we work out our salvation. We work out our salvation in the community. Yeah. And now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't, I don't know. I'm sure the Catholic Church doesn't denounce that faith and grace has a role in it, though, right? Oh, no, we absolutely, grace is, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's faith, faith and works, you know. Yeah. And that's where a lot of Protestant churches don't talk about penance so much. So, could you explain for those who maybe aren't as familiar with all of all of these many multifaceted arguments, could you just in a simple way kind of explain what does the Catholic Church believe about the relationship between God's grace, faith in God, and man's work through salvation? Mm-hmm. I know that's that's big, but um, there's a way see. to simply just kind let's of let's see. We have we have ten minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, got you, you got this. And 30 seconds or less, could you? <laughs> yeah, tell us right, the of exactly. the universe? Please tell us exactly what Catholics believe about everything. Thank about you. everything, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I'm not an expert. I'm a practitioner, but I'm not an yeah. expert. Not, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm not a biblical scholar, and I'm not a systematic theologian. So I want to make sure that's very clear. Um. All right, guys, you stumped me. Uh, that's okay. I was stumped too. That's, I, why, I, coming, coming that's why we're here. <laughs> trying to, to figure out a way to succinctly say that. I mean, I, I, it, it comes down to, I think when we look at the great, here, when we look at the great commandment, all right? Okay. It's to love God and to love, love our neighbor, right? Yeah. As ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Okay, so our, my love of God, okay, and and the faith, the gift of faith that I have received, you know, I have a responsibility to nurture, and you know, and to pray for the grace to let that grow. Okay, that's me and God. All right, but it has to express itself in how I treat my neighbor. You know, that it, I'm part of a community. It's a, it's, it's communitarian. You, you've got to, it's not just, you know, if I'm good with God, so the heck with the rest of you. <laughs> Be, because yeah. I'm good with God and I, and I have this, I received this gift of faith and I respond to that gift and, you know, grow in my relationship with God, which makes me more loving. And that naturally causes me to love my neighbor. But who's my neighbor? You know, and it's interesting because one of the things that I was very surprised at when I was working in social ministry, 
is the number of people who could believe that we were would when we ran an outreach that we yeah. served everybody who came. And like people would say, well, I'm not a member of your church. And it's like, well, uh, well, that doesn't matter. You know, it's because we're Catholics that we serve everyone, you know, in our educational school, in our schools. It's because we're Catholic that we educate, you know, all comers. You know, that what we, our faith calls us to serve others. And it's through our faith and that service that we're working out our salvation. Yeah. How's that? That's, uh, that's powerful. Um, I approve. Before, I know TJ has some, some follow-up stuff, but before we get into that, I, I do want to point out to anyone listening and to myself, just because I find it very interesting. I think all three of us were sort of stuck when it came to how everyone views this relationship of grace, faith, and works, and all of this. And maybe it can be a complicated theological issue, right? And there's plenty of theological arguments out there. But the three people who just want to do the will of God, who just want to work with the Spirit, we might not know exactly where our church stands, but we're sort of doing the same things, right? I mean, we're believing in God, and we're showing it in our actions. Regardless of how we think the behind-the-scenes led to that, that's the outcome, and I think that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's really powerful that y'all are out there serving everyone. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, Sister Rose. Yes, sir. Is it possible to get around the arguments people have with uh, with each other and to still have unity with one another? Oh, I think absolutely it is possible. All right. And how can we do that? Well, you know, right now, apologetics is um, very popular, you know, and and people want to argue truth. And I think if we're all honest, much of what we much of what we have developed in terms of our theological understandings is speculative. Mm-hmm. Right. right? Because we all need to have a fair degree of epistemological humility. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, if we can, you know, let's go back to those Genesis stories. You know, God creates in love and God creates humankind in love and we're all human. And I think that if we find ways to look for common ground, and recognize if, you know, if it, I, I have a problem if you're believing in a vengeful God that is, you know, hovering over you waiting for every misstep. That's not a God I believe in, mm-hmm. you know, but an image of a God who loves, who's waiting. Let's go back to Genesis 3, okay? What happens after they eat the fruit? All right, they cover themselves with leaves, right? <laughs> you ever yeah. read further? Okay, <laughs> and and it, it, it's like around cha- uh, verse thirty. God is making clothing for them. Okay, right. <laughs> God so loves His creation that even though they have sinned, all right, God continues to love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I, uh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, go ask. I, uh, I I chuckled when you mentioned, you know, they covered themselves. Yeah. uh, Because a couple weeks ago, uh, I was with a group of people, we were talking about Genesis. Uh One of my friends said, why did they only become naked after they ate the fruit? What were they wearing (laughs) before that? (laughs) It's just. Yeah, I wasn't laughing at the verse. It's just yeah. something really funny that happened. Yeah, but, uh, go on. But but my point is is the relationship that God calls each of His creatures to, uh, you know, all of us, is to that friendship with the Lord. And it seems to me that if we can focus on that, that when we run into theological differences. You know, we're all heading 
you know, into the same, we're heading in the same direction, which is ultimately union with God. As, as, uh, you know, Josh will tell you, uh, the symbol that I use here at campus ministry is the scallop shell. And I use that for several reasons. One is because it's the symbol of the pilgrim, because we're all on pilgrim people. And if you look at the scallop shell, there are the striations of the shell, but then there are also lines from the, that go from the outer shell to the scent, to the, to the, uh, the little top of the shell. And they're all converging at one point. And, um, what I like about that, what it speaks to is we're all on a journey towards God, to union with God. And we may be on different paths, but as long as we recognize that our tillus, that tillus, that our, our end point is the same, it puts the differences, um, you know, in perspective. All right. Uh, so when we unite with one another, mm-hmm. uh, what would the practical, you know, ramifications of the efforts to unite, uh, what, how would those show? You know, what changes would we see in the church? Well, I, I think when we come together, I think, you know, if we think of church, denominations communities as families okay we're diverse we have different families and so i think that when we come together that you know we we can bring some of what you know what is the gifts of our community but we have to work together to find those gifts that are meaningful and speak to the other families you know and so if I'm having a, you know, an ecumenical service, I'm not insisting on a Catholic mass because that doesn't have the same meaning for people of other Christian traditions. And so let's find a way that we can have moments of prayer together. Let's find a way when we can work on projects together. Let's look at the world we're living in, like today, let's find ways to respond to racism and, you know, the scourge of racism together. Yeah. You know, we're in the midst of a pandemic and people are suffering. Let's find ways to, to, to alleviate suffering when we can together. And that's practical. That's where the rubber hits the road. Oh, yeah. Oh. Hey, because I'm on a summarizing kick today for whatever reason, basically you're saying that maybe unity isn't found in coming to the same agreement on all of these doctrines, but rather unity will be found as we focus on the right things. And what that looks like is focusing on helping people through Christ, right? Through the grace of Christ, mm-hmm. we're able to help those in our community through you know, these racial issues, through this pandemic, through all of this. And that's what real unity looks like. It's more about the focus than the doctrine. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you know, within the Catholic tradition, for example, we had the Lutheran, Anglican, Catholic uh, dialogue, you know, and on on the most significant doctrinal issues, we, we resolve differences, okay? However, we recognize that in time, our traditions have gone in different directions. And so we're able to collaborate on a lot more because we have reached a basic understanding and yet we have a newfound, if you will, respect for the diversity of our traditions. It's like your family. I mean, what's your go-to comfort meal for your family, CJ? Uh, what a question. Pizza? Probably. All right. Josh, what about you? Burgers and hot dogs. Okay, meatloaf with mashed potatoes. Oh, or that. Mashed potatoes sounds good, too. We do okay. eat that a lot. <laughs> All right, my point simply is, we don't have to agree on that in order no, to... I'm eat. actually really offended that you said meatloaf. Oh, are you? No, uh, <laughs> no of course not. I, I'll, I'll leave the onions out. <laughs> oh, that, that sounds great. <laughs> that does make it See? a lot better. <laughs> See, Josh, I do remember. <laughs> that is 
actually a thing. I don't like onions, and I'm amazed that she remembers that. <laughs> I know you don't. That's right. actually really impressive. I uh, yes, but that that is that is hospitality. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. that it's like being a good bartender. <laughs> it's hospitality. <laughs> exactly. It matters, it matters that I recognize what students like and dislike, mm-hmm. and that I prepare a meal that will nourish both your stomach, your body, and your heart. Right. And so it's important to remember those things. Right. So basically, if we were going to have a big prayer session together with, you know, our church and your church, we would hope that you guys wouldn't expect us to quote a Catholic prayer because we, we don't know them. And likewise, we're supposed to not hold you to, yes, Sister Rose better speak in tongues during this prayer, <laughs> or that's that's not really how tongues work anyway. But you know, that's sort of the essence is, well, maybe we don't pray the same way, but that doesn't mean we can't pray together. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, actually, you know what? I was looking at the Greek for the Pentecost reading, mm-hmm. and it's really not tongues, it's languages. It's really interesting. Yeah, it, it's as, as, as if tongues of fire. It didn't say fire, it's as if. It's really, it's really nuanced. But anyway, I'd never noticed that before, but I just mentioned that. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, which we might be able to have, um, Wayne Parker and I have had that conversation before. We might be able to hang back on and talk about it, but, uh, there's two different, Types of tongues that's used yeah. in the New Testament when it says tongues. Some of it, sometimes it's talking about languages, and sometimes right. talking about angelic languages. And right. there's so many crazy different doctrines, one way or the other. You know, they're not crazy. You know, there's a lot of different doctrines about the subject. But, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, mm-hmm. at least in the context of Pentecost, it was about unity, right? We're speaking in other yes. languages, not just because. God thought it'd be cool if we could do that. It was, no, no, everyone was able to hear us and understand the gospel. And it was yeah. practical. Yeah. Rosetta yeah. Stone didn't exist back then, so. <laughs> <laughs> or Google Translate. Yeah. Yeah, they, or they Google that. Translate. <laughs> uh, so, Sister Rose, is there anything else you'd like to add before we start to wrap up? No, I think I said enough. All right. Uh, yeah, so, you've been on the show thank before. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. But I, th- I think it was very informational, and I don't know. It was uh, I got everything that I needed to get out of this, and maybe a little more. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you've been on the show before. You know how we do this. Uh, we like to re- start our wrap up with a God moment of the previous time, because uh, you know, <laughs> week just doesn't cut it anymore. Yeah. Uh, so. Welcome to the God Mode of the Week. Uh, Josh, would you like to start? Sure, sure. Uh, this whole week has been a God Moment, actually. All right, next. No, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll elaborate. I'll elaborate. But the, uh, it, it has been a really interesting thing. God's working with me or on me or, I, I feel like God's hinting at me, you know? Like, do you ever have that where God's kind of like doing a wink wink and you're like, what do you mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this has been going on this week. They, um, I went to one of my best friends in high school is moving to North Dakota and they're having like a farewell party. We went there and uh, his wife himself, me and one other guy led a youth ministries at our church together. Right. And she mentioned a lot of the stuff that I said there really challenged her and got to work. And she just kind of was bringing it up casually. And I was like, wow, that was, it was really encouraging to think maybe I said something that impacted someone's life in a positive way. That was cool. And then yesterday, the parent of one of those kids who was in youth back then called me and was telling me everything that they've done basically since I was a youth pastor. It took about an hour just to say, hey, the man he is today is absolutely thanks to your example and your teachings and stuff that happened back then. And we just wanted to thank you. And I was like, where is this coming from? And, you know, not it's not, you know, toot my own horn. It's a I don't know if it's God challenging me to do it again or if it's just God saying, hey. You're doing good. You know, it's one of those things. It's, it's been a really encouraging week with all of that going on, and I'm praying to see where God will lead me with it. All right. Uh, so for my God moment of the week, uh, I just I didn't I didn't find out I I basically have a son like Josh does. Uh, what? But uh, you do, that's what you just described to me. 
Okay. But uh, uh, some of the kids that were in my cabin from this past year at camp uh, reached out to me uh, pretty hurt, you know, that we, we can't have camp this year because of things. Uh, and we're just like, hey, we all need to hang out at some point and, you know, have a devotion, good stuff like that. It's really cool to see kids act passionate about, you know, God and spreading the gospel. I just thought that was really cool. Actually, one of the coolest things I've been able to do recently is uh, one of the kids who used to be in my cabin does a podcast with me. Really cool kid. Uh, sounds like a loser. Yeah. His name's TJ. I, I like him. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sister Rose, do you have a yeah. God moment for us? I, You know, I do. So, if you know, time is very elastic in this pandemic and quarantine. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. um, there was a woman who had had a real rough patch in her life and this year you know was much better um even though you know now we're in this mess um (laughs) but she wanted to do something on mother's day and so somebody suggested she contact me and so she dropped off a gift card because she had heard that a lot of the students that i'm servicing now um are non-traditional students. And so she gave me this gift card and she asked me if I would give it to a non-traditional student. And so um, it's when she said that to me, there was a woman who came to mind. And this woman, when she was in college originally, um, she ended up having a child and the child had special needs. And so she went to work and she took care of her child and has raised her child, who's now a young adult. And wow. she made the hard decision to go back to college to finish her degree in social work. Uh, wow. And so she has been coming to the pantry to get food because she's carrying a full course load. And, you know, she's taking care of her daughter and she has a part time job. And so. I thought, now that's the person who I want to give this to. But I, I, she didn't come for a couple of weeks. So I, I tracked her down and just asked her if she'd stop by. And so she came, and I explained to her what happened. And I had this inspiration to say to her, why don't you open it up while, while you're still here? And um, it turned out, it was a hundred dollar gift card to um, Fresh Market. Wow! And the woman literally collapsed in tears, and she had just gotten her grades, and she was maintaining a good G- GPA, so she was very happy about that. And then, on top of all that, because obviously in the food pantry I have very little produce. Um, but so most of it is canned foods and boxed food. And so mm-hmm. I just presented her with this gift where she could go buy fresh vegetables and fruits for she and her daughter. And nice. I mean, I felt very much like, wow. you know, an instrument of God, an instrument of God's love and compassion. And right. she just wept with joy. And the fact that somebody would think to do that. And, um, you know, it was just, it was a real God moment for me. I just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, you know, with, with the social distancing, I couldn't hug her, you know, <laughs> and so, and what's interesting about that, I'll tell you what, you know, normally if somebody's kind of distraught or upset or, or even crying tears of joy, I'll often say, can I hug you, you know, but it was a discipline for me to stand back but it allowed her the freedom to just be there. I, I mean, I got a chair for her. And <laughs> um, and we just sat quietly. And I, I just had this um, uh, incredible experience of God's presence in the moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's nothing better than a fresh watermelon. So that's just, <laughs> that makes mm-hmm. it's a great gift card. Man, that is, you know, the God moment of the week is just, it's one of those segments that gets better and better each time we do it. And I, 
it's just so encouraging. Especially, you know, as we talk about some of the church unity stuff, a lot of times we're talking about what division there is and how can there be unity. And it's very uplifting to hear stories like that where you're like, wow, God, just that work. And, you know, that that's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yep. That so, is good. So that was our God moment of the week. Uh, we have one last segment after the outro for those who follow us on Patreon. It's our 10 second segment. We're going to ask Sister Rosa if she can summarize all of this very quickly. But before we do, uh, we're going to do our outro, which is basically just me saying, hey, we still need help. All those things TJ mentioned at the beginning, they're still true at the end of the podcast. <laughs> if, you, if you want to contact us about helping us with our social media or with editing audio, you can do so at any of our social media accounts. You can just DM us or you can email us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Not the whole trick podcast, just the whole church at gmail.com. Um, and also, of course, we always need people to support us on Patreon, uh, Zoom. We're now subscribed to that. That takes a certain amount of funds each month, um, travel costs, etc., etc. Just like every ministry, our ministry costs money, and as such, we appreciate any support that we can get. If you guys go to patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast, you can support us there, and we appreciate each and every one of you, even if you don't donate anything and you just want to comment on something or give us an encouraging email, that means the world of us. So we glad to have all of our listeners. Um, that being said, before we go, we want to tell you about some of our upcoming guests. Uh, I, I believe Sister Rose will be back for our 50th episode, but we're going to have a bunch of people together just to kind of celebrate what we've done so far on the podcast, right? Oh, yes. I'll be there. <laughs> Reverend Kino Kennedy is going to be back for that episode as well. So it's a with a few other guests. Some of our patrons will also get to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. So if you subscribe, you might be able to be a part of that podcast. So, uh, Joshua Michelle. Yeah. Joshua Michelle Mole will be on our next episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, as well as uh, Tiberius and one. Um, <laughs> uh, of course, we recently contacted Sylvia Staten about doing an episode concerning some of the cultural climate around the racial issues in our country today. So I'm excited to talk to her. We're going to talk again to Father Jonathan about the Greek Orthodox Church on the same stuff we talked about today, what they believe about sin in the church and all of that. And I'm interested to see their take on Genesis 3. And of course, at the end of season one, DJ. Uh, Francis Chan. Yeah, he just doesn't know it yet. Thank you guys for listening, and keep tuning in if you're listening to the 10-second segment that's starting right now. I don't know where to Patreon. Listen to that now.